0: Hello, everyone. This is Barbara. Welcome to Geek Briefs. For this first episode, I thought I'd give you the rundown on Geek Briefs. A little about me, this podcast format, subject matter, what you can expect in the future. For those that don't know me, my podcasting pedigree is pretty limited. I was a co host on the DCUO Unlimited podcast, a podcast dedicated to DC Universe Online, the video game. I was also a contributor to Gotham News Radio, which is a show focused on Batman, Gotham, and the DC Universe. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast was because I'm a geek. I've been one all my life, and I pretty much will be one till I'm old, gray, and falling apart. I grew up in a small farming town in Illinois. I was the only geek in my village, and uh, I have two really good fond memories of when I was younger that are really geeky. My first and best one was that every Friday night, my mother would let my brother and I stay up past our bedtimes to watch Doctor Who we turn on the tv to the local pbs station at about 10 o'clock or so and then we watch jack horkheimer remind us to keep looking up and about 10 minutes past the hour the three of us would watch classic who as a family now my second and actually earliest memory was my first and only experience at a drive-in movie now i couldn't have been more than maybe 4 or 5 when we watched the star wars trilogy on the hood of my car or rather the hood of my mom's car and Honestly, I'm not a fan of Star Wars, but in terms of the grandeur and just getting to see things huge and right up in your face, it was it was just this incredible event to go out into the open and see a movie outdoors. I, I never really felt comfortable expressing my geeky obsessions to the world until maybe about five or six years ago. And what gave me the confidence to branch out and explore my inner geek and share it with the world were podcasts like Starkville's House of L, Geek Out Loud, The Signal, uh, Trek Cast, long list of other shows. Uh, before that, I pretty much felt isolated, alone in my multiple loves. And that's what being a geek is really all about. Love. It's about being honest about what excites you and not being afraid to flaunt that passion. It means never having to play down how much you like something. And you're allowed to be a kid again, to to act childish, to squee in excitement over the cool General Zod action figure or the awesome 86 Transformers movie poster you found at a flea market for a buck. I mean, being a geek gives you the liberty to be at your purest and most honest. And there's no greater experience than finding someone to share that geeky passion with. And I'm really hoping that this can be a place where we can embrace and share that love together. Now, like the title says of the podcast, um, I'm intending to make this a brief weekly podcast, lasting maybe no more than 15, 20, maybe even 30 minutes. Short, sweet, to the point. Unless there's a subject matter that I really want to dig into, in which case we may do a few special episodes that will last a little bit longer. Now, I intend to do one or two segments, but all in all, I want to keep this as informal as possible. Uh, One of the segments I'm interested in doing is a streaming movie of the week. Sort of like a TV movie a week, except, you know, streaming. And I'll announce a movie or television episode that I intend to watch via Netflix or Hulu or some other media, and I'll try to review it on the next podcast. That way, if any of you are interested and have the ability to watch the same item, you can do so and provide your own input. And uh, viewing suggestions are always appreciated. Next week's podcast, I'll be reviewing Exam. It's described as a British psychological thriller starring Colin Salmon, who you might have recently seen on the CW's television series uh, playing Oliver Queen's stepfather, Walter Steele. But you may have also remember him from Doctor Who in an episode called Silence in the Library. Uh, He played a character called Dr. Moon. Now, now that we basically got, you know, the howdy do's and introductions out of the way, let's get into some topics. Recently, I heard the rumor that the Justice League script, supposedly written by Will Beale, has been scrapped, and that the studio may wait to see how Man of Steel fares at the box office before making any concrete decisions. And I've heard many people comment that DC needs to do single hero origin stories that ultimately pay off into a big Justice League team movie, very similar to the formula that uh, Marvel has done with Avengers, doing small Solo epis—you know—solo episodes with uh, single heroes, and then building off to a huge payoff like the Avengers movie. But do we really need any more origin movies? I think it's plausible to start with a Justice League feature, and then have lesser-known figures do their solo adventures, or have the real an uh, extremely obscure character, you know, do one solo adventure, and then just sort of use that as a springboard into the Justice League movie. For example, let's look at Marvel's Avengers. We didn't have origin movies for Black Widow or the character Hawkeye. Hawkeye had a nearly blink-and-you'll-miss-it cameo in Thor, which was pretty much the consistency of an Easter egg, since you really didn't know who he was unless you were a comic reader. And what did we actually learn about Black Widow and Iron Man 2, or Avengers for that matter? She was a strong presence in both movies, but we don't really know anything about her. Now, I think the same could be done in a movie with a character like Wonder Woman or even Aquaman. A League movie could introduce some of these characters, then reveal more details as the movie progresses. For instance, uh, let's look at Aquaman. He's introduced. Uh, Say someone goes, well, why are you called that? He doesn't say anything. They go on a mission of some sort. And you see Aquaman in action. He's summoning legions of sea creatures, being heroic, commanding the ocean with hydrokinesis, etc., etc., basically being a badass. You see plainly what he brings to the table. And then a character can easily turn around and go, well, okay, I, I get it now. You understand. We already know the basic background of the Trinity, which is Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Man of Steel, the recent incarnation of Superman, is due out this June actually on my birthday. It's a great surprise to me. Yay! Uh, Batman has so many variations out there that it's it's way too played. The waters are pretty muddy when it comes to origin stories for him. It would be far easier to sustain a Batman as a reintroduced character into the Justice League movies rather than do yet another origin. That way we can be introduced to this Batman with the same point of view as the uh, Justice League plus he can still maintain his slightly outsider mentality which tends to work pretty well uh you see it in the comics uh a good example is uh like uh tower of babel uh or if for those that haven't read that comic uh look at uh, justice league doom the recent uh, dc animated movie that came out it was fantastic I could see Wonder Woman getting the same sideways treatment as Hawkeye or Black Widow with a brief mention of her history. We could, uh, you know, slightly graze over the Amazon Greek gods angle. And then we can really delve into a deep solo movie dealing with Cheetah or Ares as an enemy at a later date. Could they do a League movie without Wonder Woman? Well, certainly. I mean, she could always join the franchise at a later date. It would be refreshing to see the studio put another female lead into the Justice League movie that we might not have seen lately, or ever, live. In my eyes, Wonder Woman is expected. Why not do something unexpected and bring in some other DC heroines? DC can't do good storytelling if they become dependent on an expected formula. They have so many great DC heroines out there. We're looking at, uh, well... I mean if you want to go into some hot girl, uh, you could do uh Huntress and have Batman introduce her into the league. That would be interesting. Or you could do Supergirl, or we could do really obscure ones that we haven't seen live on screen, like Katana. And and really have some really interesting new dynamic characters brought up that we could really sink our teeth into and of course then spin off into some fabulous solo miss solo excuse me, solo missions, solo movies, and create new franchises out of that and and bring new, fresh blood to the DC Universe live-action movies. And I, that excites me beyond compare. You have no idea. Now I figure Batman, Superman, Green Lantern are all givens based off the upcoming Man of Steel movie and the other two heroes' most recent turns in theaters. But could an obscure character like Cyborg, or one of the more mystical DC Universe characters be a practical option. My issue with Cyborg or a magical hero being a part of the new Justice League movie is that a studio may have to do a lot of prosthetic or visual effects work with these kind of characters. Now, this can make an individual character far too costly for a first-time movie debut. Then again, they could go the Smallville route and make a character like Victor Stone, uh, a.k.a. Cyborg, a hidden Cyborg and have less external equipment on him. Or they could even go so far as simply make him a cameo appearance, which would be him pre-cybernization with no relation to the Justice League at this time. Now, I understand that the studio will have to take a risk and invest money to make money. But they aren't stupid a studio will have to consider how much practical and CG effects will be used for a specific character. And that money will need to be spread around to all the right places, uh, like makeup, set design, practical gags, CG special effects, you get my drift. And then they will have to take the, into account what this character will cut into the special effects budget, and if they'll actually harm special effects for a phase one hero, like Superman and Batman. Now, I'm not saying to pinch pennies. I'm far from it. I think they just need to make sure the script, effects, and practicals get the right amount of attention they deserve without hindering the movie's potential. And that's where you'll really need a good, strong director to do that. Now, the Trinity is the most likely characters to be part of the League movie. You add in some Phase 2 and sprinkle in some Phase 3 characters, and everything else can basically be fleshed out later. Now, you might not understand what I mean by Phase characters, Phase one characters are those that are already in the current public eye. They're in the spotlight. We've seen them in television or movies. They're easily accessible to comic book and non-comic book audiences alike. And that group would include uh, such characters as Batman, Superman, Green Lantern with, you know, the recent uh, Ryan Reynolds movie. And also with the most recent CW television series, uh, Green Arrow. Now, phase two are those characters that everyone knows to a certain degree, but the non-comic audience may not know their origins. For example, we can look at Aquaman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, or uh, perhaps Robin, or as Robin later turns into Nightwing. Phase 3 characters are heroes not well known by the average moviegoer. Uh, They're the more obscure ones. They're the ones that include Martian Manhunter, Cyborg, The Atom, Black Canary, Uh, I mentioned before Katana. Phase one and two characters will more than likely be used as members of the Justice League with a sprinkling of phase three characters used as stunt casting or like an Easter egg uh, in other DC movies at a later date. Uh, A prime example is Amanda Waller in the Green Lantern movie. Now, not a lot of people that are uh, comics literate, those that aren't comics literate, wouldn't know that she is later the head of the Suicide Squad. And she's a big deal in the DC Universe. She also sided with uh, Lex Luthor in a couple stories, which are kind of interesting. Now, I'd like to see some new characters rep- represented on the screen. These Phase 3 characters could really expand the DC movie universe further and be an obvious profitable revenue if treated with the proper amount of respect and consideration. Justice League could work as an excellent starting point for the DC universe, so long as the movie has a solid foundation with good writing, casting, direction. Everything hinges on that basic foundation, that trinity in itself. I think the problem is that many people engrossed in the genre are looking at this movie through the lens of a comic book geek. Now, we know what we want as geeks. We assume the majority of the public is basically ignorant when it comes to our characters. Now, that isn't exactly true. We believe, or at least a good majority believe, that we need to have each character have their own origin movie so that people will better understand the group dynamic when the League movie finally hits theaters. And I really don't think that's... That's giving non-comic movie goers much credit. A prime example. Okay. My mother knows next to nothing about comics. Yet she loved the Avengers. Uh, She understood what what was going on. She understood that Black Widow was a secret agent spy type. She understood that Hawkeye was a soldier and someone Black Widow cared for as a friend or whatever. Uh, That's all she needed to know when it came to these two characters. She didn't need their origin. She didn't need any explanation. She understood they were a part of the the through line of the story, and she went with it, and she understood perfectly fine without having to ask any questions. Now, after watching Avengers, she asked me when we would see a Justice League movie. She basically figured DC would have something greenlit after Avengers proved to be such a success. I told her about the idea of starting with individual origin movies for the Justice League characters, and she asked me why bother. Everyone knows the majority of DC's heroes. Everyone knows the names Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash, Green Lantern. There's no real explanation needed. Then if you think about it, if you add the fact that DC's superheroes have been saturating television and film screens since my mother was a child in the 50s, well, you get an idea. She asked me if we, as comic book people, thought non-comic readers were stupid. And I have to wonder, do we? I think the general movie-going audience should be giving a lot more credit than they've actually been given. They understand things, and we don't have to spell everything out. We don't have to have an origin for every single movie. The only thing that'll make a DC team-up movie successful is, as I said before, script actors and directors that genuinely care about a quality product. Let's stay away from these formulas and the expectation that we need to babysit and, and baby audiences, I want to see the DC Universe come to life. Don't you? Okay, you guys, you've heard me natter on long enough about the Justice League movie. Let's go ahead and find us another topic. And the topic I want to get into right now is the Angel and Faith comic series. Now, for those of you that haven't read it, uh, it's basically a spinoff of the Buffy uh, comics. Now, I'm not a Joss head. Far from it. Uh, I used to, I fully admit, right now, full disclosure, I did drink some of that uh, Joss Whedon Kool-Aid. And I did really enjoy it. But for not the reasons that you would think. Now, I know he's all for girl power and stuff like that. But he has a tendency of when he writes himself into a corner or he wants to cause a shock value dynamic situation to happen to kill off characters. Sometimes for no reason whatsoever. And a, a prime example, uh, just well, the main reason I actually, you know, kind of came off the Joss wagon was the death of Wash in the Serenity movie. Uh, but I'm not even going to dare go into that right now because that would, I would be talking for a whole hour and it definitely would not be a brief podcast. To get into why I love, I love the Joss Whedon, uh, writing. I don't worship him, but I do enjoy his writing is his use of secondary characters. He is the only writer that I, I appreciate in which I cannot stand his hero characters. I hate Buffy. I genuinely, truly, I think that she is just, she's really a horrible person. And the Angel character, I am not a fan of. I think that he is mopey, he's whiny, he's self-centered. And he honestly, I think he and Buffy are made for each other just for the same reason that they are just two horrible people. But Joss Whedon has done something amazing with his secondary characters. I adored Wesley Wyndham Price. I thought he was amazing. His his whole arc from a bumbling, you know, just almost snooty watcher into this fully developed, fully realized character with breath and spirit and, and just exceptional growth was amazing to me. Um, another character that I adored was Faith. She, she had her issues. She had just a very rough, it obviously from, you know, mentions, she had a very rough childhood and that affected her and made her into a very difficult person and caused her to go onto a really bad road. But she found a way through other people, other secondary characters like Wes to overcome it and is in her new, in a new element. She's in a new authoritative position, um, in these comic series. Now, the whole breakdown of this comic so far, uh, sorry, I, am warning you now, there are some spoilers. But, uh, in season nine, or around the end of season nine for Buffy in the comics, G- uh, Giles, uh, my, one of my favorite secondary characters of all time, is murdered by Angel horrifically badly it was a nonsense murder and it, it it drove me nuts when i saw it and i actually stopped reading the buffy comic after that but uh when i found out that a another comic was coming out called angel and faith i went well i like faith i don't like angel but i definitely like faith i'm gonna check this out and at least see what's going on and in the very first comic You know, you see Faith, you see Angel, you're seeing Angel basically work through his guilt yet again of, oh, he's a horrible person, he's done horrible things, and he's a bad, bad boy. And Faith basically, you know, taking care of him and trying to keep him in line and keep him in shape, at the same time dealing with a whole group of slayers in London. And you find out because she had teamed up with Giles in the comics previously that Giles had basically bequeathed all of his, his worldly possessions to faith, his home in London and everything else. And so basically she's based there and Angel, uh, trying to make up for what horrible stuff he did, he has decided that he is going to bring Giles back to life. And that alone basically made me go, okay, okay. I am willing to watch this. If Giles comes back, and he comes back in an interesting way, I'm willing to read this. And so far, I have to admit, the writing has been exceptional. The art has been extremely good. Uh, we have seen some amazing little side stories and pocket stories, though not great, have been very fluid and very strong. Uh There was an amazing little... You know, flashback sequences that you'll see of Giles early in his youth. You see things that how he became a watcher, uh, why he left the watchers, uh, and became, you know, went became basically a, a rock and roll god. Uh, you see, you know, what caused him to leave that life and then join back the watchers again and, and what his path led him to. And it's actually been very fascinating, very interesting. I highly, highly recommend that you guys check it out. It is, is an excellent read right now. The, uh, angel has, uh, been collecting pieces of Giles's soul and has been doing it to, uh, you know, he's piecing together sort of like a jigsaw puzzle, getting segments of, of his life through totems and, I guess, uh, last, what was the last issue? I think it might've been maybe issue 10. He had gone and, uh, gotten, you know, everything together and he was going to dig up his body, Giles's body. So they dig up his body, find out it's missing. It's just, I, I'm, I'm not saying anymore because it's just, I sit here and my mind's blown when I even think about it. It's just, it's been a really rocking story. If the final outcome is I get my Giles back, that is all that fricking matters. So... <laughs> I am very, very sad, saying that, but it's the truth. It is really an exceptionally well-written story, and I highly, highly, you know, advise you to check it out. I think that about wraps up our show for today. If there are any questions or subjects you want me to comment on, the email is geekbriefs at live dot com. You can also contact me at the Geek Briefs Twitter account, which is at geekbriefs, or you can check me out on the Geek Briefs Facebook page, or you can check me out. At my tumbler, which is Stoned Gorgon. That is S T O N E D G O R G O N. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, and take care.